0: Welcome back, Poison Pals. This is another episode of That Shit Is Poison mm, 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 with your host Megan Gesner and your other host, the Mad Hatter. <laughs> I forgot we're doing. That's you okay, do you, Harini. I forgot. I just was so focused on getting it right. I know. Uh, right right okay, before Mad this, Hatter. I was like,
1: <laughs> I was like, Megan, let's introduce ourselves
0: as characters. That just totally went out the window. <laughs> okay. I have a gerbil brain today, and it just we out the window. But you know what? Let's. I'll I'll help Harini come out. Okay, okay, Mad Hatter. Mm. It yes. is the Mad Hatter's turn to regale us with the story today. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, g- <laughs> oh, we're jumping Again. right into it. <laughs> no, that's what I'm like. I'm like gerbil brain here. <laughs> Mad Hatter, do you have anything you want to tell us about before we get into your cup of tea? Or do you have any... Ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh there we go. Do you have any tea to spill before we get into there your uh, main go. story today?
1: Ooh, ooh. Um, yes, I do, actually. Thanks for asking. No, I'm just going to share last week so last week's episode was the father's day episode with my dad I was looking at it on Instagram and talking about it to someone else and then right at that same time my dad called me so I like picked up the phone I was like "Mm, speak of the devil and so I told him I was like guess what your episode just dropped he was talking about something else Mm -hmm. and then he per usual wasn't letting me speak when I was like trying to tell him like hey (laughs) your your episode is on and he's he's stopped mid-sentence after hearing that, and he literally goes, I've never heard my dad gasp in, in my life. And he was like, oh Really? <laughs> he like, really? Oh, I don't know how it went. Oh, I don't know if it's going to be good.
0: <laughs> he was just Aww. so nervous.
1: And I was like, oh, it's, it was good. It was a good one, Papa B. Papa B All did good. a good job. He did. Yeah, that was a fun one to do. It was interesting not having Megan on on that episode. We missed you. Yeah? Oh,
0: yeah. Missed y'all too. Yeah. I think Papa B was a great stand-in host yeah. Yeah, stand 100%. in host for the evening. <laughs> yeah. You, y'all you needed your, this was, you know, it's a Father's Day episode. Y'all needed your um, yeah. father-daughter time.
1: So today, actually, we went, so I'm in the Bay right now. And we went to my brother's place today to celebrate, like a belated graduation celebration because they were not able to celebrate with me in person. So they were super awesome and like hosted a small like, p- party for me.
0: Because nice. I That's just finished
1: sweet. my second board exam yesterday. And so mm-hmm. they were like, once you're done with everything, we should celebrate you officially being done. So th- we did that today. And I haven't seen Eli, which is my brother's dog mm-hmm. in like a month and a half, which is a long time for me to not see yeah. him. So I was so excited for our reunion. And I go up and see him. He walks straight past me and goes straight to my dad. I'm like, Bish, you just saw this man yesterday. <laughs> you haven't seen me in a month.
0: <laughs> That's why. I mean, okay, I know you love Eli, but we have to remember: while he is family, he yep. is a dog. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> and of course, he's gonna go straight to the person he sees every other what every other week or something yeah, pretty like that. much, like, pretty much. <sighs> but then after he saw your dad first, did he turn to you and say hello as dogs do? It was a lukewarm embrace oh, no. to be honest i was really disappointed <laughs> maybe he's i was trying, trying to tell you yeah, yeah maybe he's trying to tell you something like listen lady <laughs> you don't visit me enough so i you know don't deserve a proper hello exactly it's
1: like you you can't come around every once in a blue moon and expect me to be so hunky-dory with you i get it yeah you. i'm addicted to tiktok it's it's truly truly a problem and Megan knows because we just sent each other videos back and forth like no tomorrow yes because I am on the same boat <laughs> yes yes we're on the same plane of reality that is TikTok yeah. but you know the videos that I find most interesting and appealing are actually the cat TikToks Ooh. and Megan I don't know I have two questions for you as a cat yeah. owner and lover yes. yes there is a cat TikTok of you know like this mutual unsaid agreement between cat owner and cat, where if there are like bugs or spiders on the ceiling, that you just like lift them up and they'll just snatch it for you. Is that real? Mm. Mm.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I've been seeing that. I think it is real. I don't do it with my cats as much, but when I had Iro. We did used to do that as a kitten because I would see him like eyeballing something. I think I did it once with him. So I think it is real, but I do think it does. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying if you don't. OK, disclosure, mm-hmm. if if you're a cat owner and you have not done this with your cats, does that that does not mean you have a special connection with your cat? That That is not what that <laughs> says. But I do think like you have to have a certain type of cat with a certain mm. temperament. That's very like, OK, with like. The concept of your human helping you hunt. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know yeah, how else that's to explain true. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but yes, I do think it's real. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I think that's fascinating. And yeah. the other thing that I keep seeing on TikTok is this trend of you know you just hold your cat and you push them into the wall and see if they stop themselves with their paws mm. and mm-hmm. that indicates some some sort of intelligence based on TikTok standards. Right. Or unless right. they just like smush their head into the wall and don't know what to do.
0: Yes. So I did try that with my cats because I (laughs) did did. see that. Okay. Yes. And I think both of them were quote quote, unquote uh, intelligent because they Mm. both put their hands out to stop. But then I saw a follow up thing on TikTok (laughs) that was like, no, people, if your cat just lets you smush their face into the wall, it means they super, super trust you. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Oh, that's kind of nice so I I don't know what's real like who are these TikTok cat experts we don't know exactly real scientists yeah we're not not gonna
1: base it off TikTok science right now but I just thought that was funny (laughs) that's all I have that's that's all the tea I'm spilling today
0: (laughs) love it thank you for that okay Harini Mm -hmm. aka our Mad Hatter for today yes 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 yes. it is time for you to pick your Mm. poison or your cup of tea I Mm. don't know
1: either or my poisonous cup of tea yes yes what's it gonna be today it's going to be something a little bit different. I hate to put this disclaimer mm. right at the front, but the toxicology portion is on the lighter side today. All right. It is important, but it is on mm. the lighter side because there's not a lot of information about it, if that makes sense. But nonetheless, totally we're we're moving ahead. We're moving ahead. So for my poison this week, it's actually a method that is not really in use anymore mm-hmm. but it's chemical castration Ooh. and this month is june i think when this will come out hopefully it's still june when it comes out but this month is june june is also pride month so with that in mind i wanted to do a story on arguably one of the most influential lgbtq plus people of our time we wouldn't have tiktok without this person and oh. they saved millions of of lives. So okay. I'm going to be talking about mm-hmm. a man named Alan Matheson Turing. Mm-hmm. So I was first privy to the story of Alan Turing from the very now famous movie, The Imitation Game, where Alan Turing was mm-hmm. played by Benedict Cumberbatch very well, I might add.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But a movie only tells so much. So when I was initially doing my research for the story, I was surprised to see that there are two different toxicology elements to the story that mm. I didn't know about. So we mm. will talk about both of those, but let's get into the story. Okay, so before we jump into the story for today, let me list my sources. So my first source is from the New York Times titled Overlooked No More Alan Turing, Condemned Codebreaker and Computer Visionary. Then I got an article from PBS, 8 Things You Didn't Know About Alan Turing. Then an article from New Scientist just titled Alan Turing. And Wikipedia. All right, on to the story. So, Alan Turing was born in London, England, so he's an OG Londoner. His parents (laughs) were quite something. His dad was on leave for most of his early life, serving in the Indian Civil Service in Odisha, the state of India, and is descended from a Scottish baronet. His mother, Ethel, was the daughter of the chief engineer of the Madras railways in India, which is pretty nuts because India literally runs on its railway system. So for him to be the chief engineer of that is pretty amazing. Prior to Alan, the family lived in India because of his dad's work, but the parents really wanted the children to grow up in Britain. So they moved back to London, where Alan was eventually born on June 23rd, 1912. So fun fact, his birth home is now a historic landmark designated by a plaque outside and is now a hotel that you can stay at called the Colonnade Hotel. So if anyone is traveling this year to London and you want to get some history, you can stay at the Colonnade Hotel.
0: Okay. How do you spell that? Just phonetically? um,
1: (laughs) I guess it's C-O-L-O-N-N-A-D-E. (laughs) Hotel.
0: I was, while you speak, I I just wanted to look up photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Continue.
1: Okay. All right. In school, Alan displayed a keen interest in math and science at a very early age, and he was damn good at it. He was solving advanced math problems without without even knowing elementary math, which is, I don't even know how that's possible, but he did. (laughs) However, his school teachers didn't see him as gifted. They Mm. were concerned with his growth, actually, because at the time, they focused more on the classics as a measurement of intelligence. And at that time, he showed zero interest in any of that, in those subjects. Hmm. But nonetheless, he was very, very smart. It was at this school, specifically his high school years, that he met a fellow classmate named Christopher Morecambe, who was described as his first love. Hmm. But unfortunately, it was cut short when Morecambe died at a young age from complications of bovine tuberculosis, which he contracted from drinking infected cow's milk, like, years earlier, which just sounds like a nasty way to go. So he maybe that's a story for another day i know right? Well, that's what i was that thinking another honestly.
0: podcast <laughs> I know. okay All yeah
1: because right. honestly when i heard of bovine tb or tuber- tuberculosis i was kind of thinking of like cowpox yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so i'm oh, like oh so interesting not that they're related okay. but a lot of things right. come from no, animals, yeah. a lot of these diseases totally yeah totally but anyways another time another episode <laughs> so the death of his first love, Morecambe, really impacted him, but also really inspired his later work. He coped with the grief by just throwing himself into his work in that way. It's not explicit, but there is some implication that Morecambe's mother knew of her son and Turing's relationship because Turing wrote to Morecambe's mom for the rest of his life. Throughout the rest of his life, Mm. they would exchange letters back and forth, send each other gifts, especially on her son's birthday uh, Mm. Turing would send gifts and so they're very very close and he would keep her informed of himself and his work almost like she was a second mom very loving Mm -hmm. relationship there after high school Turing attended King's College in Cambridge where he would go on to create the Turing machine a machine Mm -hmm. that could perform all tasks aka the modern day computer he is technically the first person or credited to be the first person to come up with what we know as a computer today His concept of the computer or the first inklings of that has been called by many as easily the most influential paper in history. In June 1983, he got his PhD in mathematics at Princeton here in the US and then came back to the UK afterwards to Cambridge where he continued his work. Mm -hmm. It was when he returned to the UK at Cambridge that he began to work part time for the British government's code and cipher school up until World War II. Once mm-hmm. World War II started, Turing was recruited by the British Secret Service to help them crack Enigma. Okay, so mm-hmm. this is where things get really over my head because it's very mm-hmm. like computer science terms and language mm-hmm. and all the things, so I'm going to do my best. Mm-hmm. Enigma was a type of enciphering machine that was used by German forces to send messages to each other secretly and securely. Okay. So Megan actually if you want to look this up I think it would help you get a visual Enigma, yeah. like just the enigma machine from World War
0: 2 <laughs> I'm chuckling cuz I'm like I'm typing in enigma and I'm glad you said put enigma machine cuz if I put type in enigma I know lady gaga's just exactly. gonna come up <laughs> that's what I, was, I was like specifically <laughs> Which would be also great for this uh Pride month pod uh, That episode, is true. But, you know, that is true. We'll buy uh, hey, born this way. That's what Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um uh, but now my my gerbil brain is going, whoa, what if her show's called Enigma because it's in honor of the Enigma machine? Oh, damn. You Alan know what?
1: what? Gaga is so meta that way that I would not be surprised <laughs> so if it meta. had that connotation.
0: Or it could have nothing to do with it at all. <laughs> but Poison Pals, we will get back to you on that. Yeah. Sorry. Humi. Yeah. No, Go
1: no. Go ahead. So I'm just going to describe to you what this Enigma machine looked like. So it was a type of enciphering machine, and it essentially looked like a typewriter, they had the keys on top like a normal typewriter would, but it also mm-hmm. had keys on the front, if that makes sense. So there are almost mm-hmm. like two different levels of alphabetical keys. And mm. in the area where the paper would usually go in a typewriter, there were three rotors. And rotors mm-hmm. are essentially cylindrical electrical cogs, like cogs in a wheel. Mm-hmm. And each di- and each day, the Germans would choose a different rotor and rotate mm. it to a certain setting that would determine the code for that day. So just think about it. So when that level of yeah. a cipher is changed every day, mm-hmm. that totals out to a hundred and fifty million, million, million mm. possible combinations daily to just crack to crack it if you were even right. able to crack it. Right. So there were Polish mathematicians who deciphered the German messages and shared this information with the British, but the Germans caught wind that others were onto their ciphers, and so they increased their security by changing the entire cipher system daily basically near impossible to crack something mm-hmm. at this level so you may have heard of the bletchley circle i think there's also like a tv show on it right now what what's up mate?
0: i'm like i don't know i'm gonna google that as
1: well here i go oh yeah yeah
0: you can google <laughs> it
1: i can also let you guys know mm-hmm. what it was so for people who don't okay, yeah, know yeah. I mean, yes tell yeah. me tell me for people who don't know what the bletchley circle is it's actually a place it's called bletchley park and it refers to a group of people during World War II and probably even before and afterwards. But they're essentially a code-breaking group slash unit. Mm. And that was their only job during the war is to crack codes. They're just like this okay. entire cryptology unit. Very, very cool. Extremely, extremely top secret. Even the people... That worked next to each other were not allowed to talk to each other about what they were doing which seems like really like extra but that was a level of security that was on there like if they were if they got a message if they decipher a message for example they had to call somebody to relay the message of what they found and they will never know who they're talking to and the person on the other line doesn't know who they received the call from it's like all very Mm -hmm. very secret
0: Anyways, sorry to interject. What Mm -hmm. I found is that it is also a TV series uh, called The Bletchley Circle, which is Mm -hmm. based on the real Bletchley Circle. Um, But I think they highlight like the woman. uh, Yeah. Did it, yeah, yeah. So, is that that must that might be an acorn TV thing? (laughs) It sure
1: is, honey. It's all I think it's actually on Netflix as well, or maybe it's an Amazon Prime thing, I can't remember. But that was what I was just gonna say. If you guys are interested in the story afterwards, you can watch The Imitation Game and Bletchley Circle. I know has rave reviews for that cast and that story, yeah. yeah. But yeah, to to Megan's point, Mm -hmm. this was a big turning point for women because they were hired on because they were just so desperate. To crack the code, mm-hmm. and you can imagine with 150 million, million, million possibilities and combinations, mm-hmm. they required all the power. I didn't want to say manpower, like any kind of human power, brain power, brain power, correct? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any kind of yeah. brain power that they can get, and that included women. That was the first time that they really allowed women to come into this area that was usually dominated by men, to be honest, in the mathematics and science world. And they freaking rocked it, man. Like they were really, really smart and integral to cracking these codes.
0: I wonder if there was like a very aha moment during this time where they're like, this thing has millions and millions and millions of possibilities that we need to deconstruct and unencrypt. I wonder if there was a moment of like, huh. There are millions to billions of humans in the world. Maybe, just maybe, women would mm. be capable of unencrypting this too. Yeah, I, I sure <laughs> like, hope so. Does, I definitely like, think. I so. hope they connect the dots there, right? That must have happened. Anyway, they
1: were absolutely <laughs> integral to the story. I don't know. Have you seen *Imitation Game*, Megan?
0: I have not. Really? I love some Benny Cumberbatch, but oh, I, I, I haven't love- watched it. I should. I'm I'll a total watch after Cumber
1: you know, that's what they call his fans, Cumberbitches. I feel like I knew that, but I don't want it. I don't want to know that. Because it is so
0: hilarious.
1: I know he doesn't abide by that. He hates no. it when people say that to him, but it, it's obviously hilarious. No, I, or they call him like, Cumberpatches. patches.
0: <laughs> No, I, I love Cumberbitch. Like, I don't have no. a problem with that word. I think it is just such a ludicrous term. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it is. Well, so is his name, to be
1: honest. Uh, yeah. Poor, yeah. Poor soul. <laughs> Benny. Okay, Oh, Benny. Where was I? Okay. yes. Yeah, so that's the Bletchley Park, Bletchley Circle. These women and the men that were working as well- They were working around the clock 24-7 to just try and break these ciphers by hand. They were doing this by hand, like literally rotating these rotors and trying to Mm -hmm. click it or match it together to get a code. Just Mm -hmm. impossible. Basically, the British or any of the allies, for that matter, were able to crack this code. Then you could effectively end the war. Mm -hmm. That's all they really needed is just to get a little bit ahead of the Germans and the Nazis and know what their plan was and then be able to stop it. This is painstaking work. But it wasn't working, so that's where Alan Turing comes in. This is his bread and butter. Even though, like, he's you know touted as his math and science, computer science person. He actually had a very distinct passion for cryptology because that's his first lover. Morecambe was also into cryptology and actually got him into it from that in a very like loving way. was like, I want to continue cryptology. He was very, very good at it. So again, like I said, he got recruited by the British intelligence service and he does some tinkering, some heavy thinking, and he designs something called the BOMB. B-O-M-B-E, machine, along with Mm. this other man called Gordon Walshman in 1940. The bomb machine helped speed up this decryption process significantly. So I wanna talk a little bit about how it worked because it's very interesting. The way the German Enigma machine worked was it had millions of different encryption settings each day that they would change, right? So that's what I talked about earlier. So if Bletchley Park could figure out what the setting was for that day, they would be able to decrypt all the messages the Germans were sending for that day, right? So the bomb helped the codebreakers discover part of that Enigma key and quickly. So I'm going to attempt to describe what the bomb machines looked like and what they do. So they kind of look like these, you know, those big IBM servers, you know, in those like rooms and they're just like whirring or like in the Mm -hmm, room. Yeah. mm -hmm. So it looks like that, like an early version of that. They're like these big towering machines, and there were many of them, and they were made up of these circular rotor cogs, like I told you earlier. Mm -hmm. And if you Mm -hmm. zoom in on a singular electrical cog, it Mm -hmm. looks like a clock. There's even like hands and dials like a clock. But instead of numbers around the outside, it's the alphabet going all the way around. Mm -hmm. So the Enigma is the three rotors that are on this typewriter type thing, right? Got it. So based on these three rotors, is how they change the decryption settings. Right. So right, you're right, trying right. to crack the three rotors, and that is what is the Enigma. So gotcha. I don't think I explained that well, but that's the best I could do in terms of explaining. I think
0: I think I have a pretty like good as like someone who won't be reading the full wikipedia on yeah. it because it is a lengthy ass it page lengthy. because it's a goddamn enigma. I think you did yeah. a fantastic job. I have okay. I have a very Thank good you. idea of what you're what you're talking about. Cool, cool, cool. Okay.
1: <laughs> so an enigma equals three of these circular rotors with the alphabet around the side, right? So I watched some videos on how this worked, but the best one I saw, which I don't know if people are interested in watching this as well, but it was a video from this guy filming a tour of the Bletchley Park huts, like the different hmm. like areas that they were working out of. And she was hmm. like showing like a close-up of the actual machine and things like that and, and showed us how it worked. So the best way I can explain it simply is they would come into work every day and they would start hmm. out with a hypothesis. guess of what the Germans might message to each other that day. So they're going to predict ahead of time what the Germans might be sending to each other. On most days during the war, things weren't really happening. Like you're not having a big battle every single day, right? Sometimes it's like small, small tactical moves. So most days nothing's happening. So a common message might be quote unquote, no special occurrences, meaning nothing to Mm. report that type of thing. They would input the phrase, no special occurrences, and that will be their hypothesis for the day. And they will set each enigma, again, those three rotors, to one letter of the alphabet. There are 36 mm. enigmas in one machine, and there are mm. 180 machines all going mm-hmm. all at once all day. And they wow. had to set every single enigma to a certain letter, right?
0: Yeah. And
1: then they just put it on, they press run, and it's just going. Doing every single combination that they were usually doing by hand, if you can imagine. Right. So it definitely took some time to set it up. To about 20 right. minutes, but that's yeah. nothing compared to what they were doing before, right? So it's extremely
0: right. efficient for them compared to what they were doing. Yeah. Okay, I have a cue. I yes. Have a cue. Yes. Totally okay if you didn't get into like because I I recognize your focus is on specifically like the Alan Turing story. Because you had mentioned obviously like the Germans are using the Enigma so that they can make their messages indiscernible to the right. allies or whatever. But hypothetically, couldn't the Germans have used the Enigma and simultaneously coded their sentiments as well? So, for example, they mm. might send out they might send out nothing more to report, which might for them be code between them, <laughs> like oh extra level security, um, <laughs> yeah, instead yeah. of it's of like. All right, we're gonna move at this time, and right, then they right. use the Enigma. <laughs> so, dude. I'm just like it would just be a black hole of like, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> you're just like in the abyss at this point. Like you're never yeah. coming out. Yeah, uh, like even if they yeah. use the
0: bomb machine to mm-hmm. unencrypt, like what the Enigma put out, and they got that sentence, nothing to report. Yeah, like, be- that because it'd still be code.
1: <laughs> no, dude. Honestly, <laughs> if I was,
0: you know, on that side. Yeah, that's what I would do. <laughs> I'm that's like, this like, is not enough. I'm it, right? Like, if I'm thinking it, like, who's to say they weren't thinking it? So I don't know if you knew if you know if that's actually the case or it's, I'm just, it's definitely not. But I think that's hilarious. Like,
1: my like, 150 million, million, million possibilities are not enough.
0: We need to code it on top of that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I love it. No, no. And Anyways. the reason why I know that is because. Mm you know eventually this is not a spoiler this is this is right, right. history but like it's history <laughs> this is history but they do eventually end up decrypting everything and it yeah. was lining up they would decrypt With their actions. defense plans yes correct they would decrypt defense plans and then they would enact it and stop things from happening like bombings etc etc god so it was never okay. and and I mean, on the German side, they never suspected it. Like they knew, like I think I mentioned earlier, the Polish mathematicians cracked it. Mm -hmm. But that was before they were changing it up every day.
0: So once they changed
1: it up every day, they're like, there's no way. There's no way that they would be able to figure this out. There's it's math, almost mathematically impossible. So they had no idea. And it was a little bit until it was like too late that the Germans were like, I think they actually figured this out and we need Mm -hmm. to like change
0: it up altogether." Mm
1: By that time, this the is war is a- pretty much
0: over. Right. This is a little callback to a previous episode, The German Doctor. And in my yeah. head, I'm like, maybe if they just did more meth, they would have <laughs> thought of that extra security. <laughs> oh, my God. More <laughs> meth or none? <laughs> I mean, you would think that if they were all really hopped up on that, like, methamphetamine, they would have had that concept. Oh, of, like, my gosh. <laughs> I'm going down Dude. a rabbit hole here. So the bomb and- machine is extremely efficient. That is where we were. Yes very okay. efficient
1: so basically when there was an opening in the setting in other words a match the rotor would stop so mm-hmm. the machine would just stop so then you run over to the machine this is what the mm-hmm. woman would do so they wrote they're like yeah. these enigma or bomb technicians that's the, that's what mm-hmm. they were called so they run over the machine and note the letter that the rotor stopped on Mm -hmm. So there are going to be three different letters because Enigma is three rotors, right? So there would be three different letters, which would correspond to the Enigma machine's three rotors if Mm -hmm. it was correct, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm, So then mm -hmm, they would mm -hmm. set it to those three letters and then they would see if it aligns with the message. And if it does, then they've cracked it for the day. Mm -hmm. and of course this doesn't work every single time they're not right every single time but the point is this whole setup the machine the turing machine or the machine that turing created is so efficient that it would come up with matches way faster and the women would be able to check the enigma machine within like minutes Mm -hmm. see Mm -hmm. if it's correct or not and then run it again they're like oh no that's not right and then put it back on you know what i mean Yeah, yeah. yeah. so then they would just keep going through it And Mm -hmm. this is how they were able to get ahead of many of the Nazis' defense plans, especially with the submarine U-boats. Those were a big one. The U-boats kept bombing all the British Mm -hmm. Royal Army, like naval ships and things like that. Mm -hmm. That was Mm a huge issue. So they were able to get ahead of that and tell these Royal Navy boats to steer off course or go this way, go that way. Eventually, experts say that without Turing's work with the bomb machine, the war would have lasted years longer and cost millions of more lives Turing's bomb machine and cracking Enigma became truly the turning point of World War II to enable them to get ahead of the Germans and effectively end the war. Mm. So that's like what he did for the war. And after World War II, Turing continued to develop his work, which led to the first true computer in 1950 with this famous paper asking, quote, can machines think? Mm. This was later known as the Turing test to determine whether a machine could imitate a real conversation. His mm-hmm. work around this concept became the foundation of the field that we now know as artificial intelligence. So, and- way ahead of his time, to be honest. <laughs> what, what, what?
0: And, and the foundation of a robot. <laughs> Dude,
1: no, when I read this, I was like, this is so mm-hmm. interesting because like, going back to him saying, can a machine imitate a real conversation? There's a show on Netflix called Halt and Catch Fire, which is very, very good. Mm-hmm. But it's Mm -hmm. all about like the dot-com boom and the start of the first computer in the 80s and like how the whole tech boom started from there. Mm -hmm. And it also talks about Apple. There were uh, plenty of other computers at that time, but there was something about Apple that just made it totally different. And it was when he first presented the Apple computer and he turned it on and it said, Hello? People went nuts for that. They went nuts because it was like this personal almost connection because it's your personal computer PC that you have connection to your computer, this machine, which was super, super novel at the time, but so simple. So I'm just kind of thinking like coming back to Turing all the way back then. It's like, can you have this connection? Can it be like you and have this artificial intelligence and predict Mm. ahead of time what you may want? Just a side bit there. That's so cool. Okay. Honestly. You could go on and on about his success in his career. He was truly an exceptional mind Mm -hmm. that only comes around once in a while. But I do want to also talk about him personally, as this is also a big part of the story. I mentioned this briefly in the beginning, but Alan Turing was gay, and he was actually Mm -hmm. very open about it. The Mm -hmm. environment at King's College where he studied was really liberal. It was a very Mm -hmm. accepting environment, accepting place, and people knew he was gay there, and he didn't try to hide it, and he didn't care, honestly, Mm -hmm. even though at Mm -hmm. the time in Britain, being homosexual was a punishable offense. Mm Mm-hmm. However, while working at Bletchley Park, Turing was mainly working out of this building called Hut Eight, where he was working very closely with a woman named Joan Clark. She was a mm-hmm. fellow mathematician and cryptologist. And in nineteen forty one, Turing proposed to her, but their engagement was cut short because Turing eventually admits to her that he's gay. And Joan didn't mm-hmm. mind, but they mm-hmm. they both sort of knew this. They couldn't go on with it in their hearts with this marriage just for, you know, society's sake. So Mm -hmm. they end their engagement. Mm -hmm. But later on in 1952, when Turing was 39, he begins a relationship with 19-year-old Arnold Murray. And that Mm -hmm. was very happy for the both of them. They were together Mm -hmm. for a couple months. Then Mm -hmm. Turing's house gets robbed. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of bizarre. But Murray tells Turing that he knows the robber. He's like, oh, I think Mm -hmm. I know who that was. And so Turing reports it to the police. During the police's investigation, Turing acknowledges that he was in a relationship with Murray. And so the police Mm -hmm. charge both men with quote unquote gross indecency under Mm -hmm. Section 11 of the Criminal Law Act. The first thing Turing says when he was arrested was he tells the police that he doesn't think that being gay should be against the law. Mm -hmm. And he goes on and he would go on to give a statement that was unapologetic about himself detail mm. every single thing that happened like not holding anything back when the case went to trial Turing's lawyer didn't argue or provide evidence against the allegations
0: he just mm. he literally just kind of like let him be mm. charged honestly I'm mm. so- mm. sorry to yeah, like yeah. in a way where he's like supportive of it of like yeah he doesn't have anything to hide or in a way of that of like I can't help him here so or like in a way yeah. that the lawyer him this himself was like anti-gay question mark what do you mean by that sorry i'm trying to understand your sentence yeah definitely so he
1: did not help him okay so he
0: was not advocating for him despite being his lawyer
1: correct he didn't really advocate him he didn't he didn't put forth evidence to help turing and i don't Mm. but i don't want to put the blame on him necessarily because i don't it's not clear whether he did that because he knew the law was not in his favor and there was nothing he could do about it. Or because he was also anti-gay. I don't know. Gotcha. But all I know is just in terms of facts, he was not putting evidence forward. He just kind of like let it be. Gotcha. Okay. Let let him get charged. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Turing's own brother and his lawyer convinced Turing to plead guilty. Turing was... And so he was. He got charged. And Mm -hmm. Turing was given a choice between imprisonment or probation. So Turing chose probation. But Mm -hmm. there is... Quite the horrific catch. So, Turing was allowed probation if he agreed to undergo chemical castration, which we'll Uh, discuss later in the talk section. uh -uh. Yeah. Turing's Mm. conviction led to his removal of his security clearance and barred him from continuing his life's work and passion as a cryptologist for the government communications headquarters and Britain's intelligence agency. Mm. After everything he did for them.
0: Mm.
1: By this time, Turing was left impotent from the injections of chemical castration, ostracized from society and deemed unworthy of pursuing his passions Mm. so on june 8th 1954 turing's housekeeper finds him dead Mm -hmm. a half-eaten apple lays beside him which the toxicology reports later confirm was injected with cyanide and Mm. was ruled a suicide he was Mm. only 41 years old Mm -hmm. Those close to Turing speculated that he was enacting a scene from Snow White, which was his favorite fairy tale. He was a little bit whimsical that way, Mm -hmm. is what I gather from his close friends. Mm -hmm. However, those close to him also speculate that it wasn't a suicide and it was potentially an accident because Turing Mm -hmm. wasn't allowed to do work in the public anymore. So he would continue doing experiments at home. So he had this sort of mini lab set up in his kitchen, and Turing had this apparatus that would, I don't know what this means, but it means he basically would electroplate gold onto spoons, and Mm. potassium cyanide was used to dissolve the gold. And so they thought that he may have inhaled too much of the cyanide fumes and died because of that. Mm. And there is some evidence to show that the autopsy findings were more consistent with inhalation versus ingestion of the poison.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay.
1: Side note on on that, I've been watching this show called Gold Rush, kind of like a reality show of people who mine for golds, like out in the Yukon and things like that. Very, very interesting. Yeah. But random yeah. show. But there's like very various different ways that you can mine for goals and different methods. And so one of the methods is actually using potassium cyanide. So they mm-hmm. you have to wear like a full hazmat suit. It's actually very, very obviously very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um just like being within a mile of it and not having a mask on can be deadly for you mm. but they do it is they basically soak the dirt or the land in potassium cyanide and then they drain it because what we just read here is that the potassium cyanide somehow melts the gold and extracts mm. it better
0: how interesting okay yeah a couple of questions yeah I'll start with the potassium cyanide gold rush situation. Okay, when you say drain it, what do Mm -hmm. they mean by drain? Do they, like, press the ground? Oh, do you mean, like, drain it of the gold when it, like, melts as a reaction? Or do they mean, like draining the cyanide out of the soil.
1: <laughs> like, no, so good question. So basically yeah. the way that it works is they put like this porous tarp out onto like mm. a plot of land, whatever size land they want, and then mm. they pour a shit ton of potassium cyanide onto that soil and that land. They let mm. it sit and soak for about a couple of days, and then they take mm. that like m- like mulch of wet dirt and they mm. put it it's like a sluice of dirt and gold and liquid yeah. and cyanide and they put it through this machine that Got like it. sucks the gold out of it. Because now gotcha, like the gold gotcha. is melted, it can kind of like separate more easily is the thought yeah. process and the method of it. Yeah. So it can separate and they can just extract the gold way faster than oh. a traditional method.
0: That is so fascinating. Okay, and then the other yeah. question I had, thank you for answering. Mm. Um going back to um Turing, yeah. so uh, initially you started with um they found an apple that like was injected with cyanide but Mm -hmm. autopsy shows he there's a lot of like uh, more evidence of like inhalation yeah going back to the apple though so because i understand that like i understand the autopsy aspect but like Mm -hmm. like why would the apple have been injected with cyanide you know what i'm saying like why would that because that was part of the evidence or part of the, the scene crime scene so i'm just wondering like why would that have been a thing. Was it all for the purpose of re- replicating Snow White? I don't no. I don't understand. <laughs> no, so I think, so
1: like I said, he was a little bit of a whimsical guy, but he was also very, even though he didn't really, and I'll get to this a little bit later, mm. he tried his best to keep his spirits up and mm-hmm. not let the society deem what his life should be as a gay man and you know, mm-hmm. shame him for that. Mm-hmm. But for those close to him, they knew he was very traumatized by everything and very mm-hmm. depressed, honestly. Mm-hmm that's why some people do think it's suicide and he Got probably it. already had it readily available from his other experiments and mm-hmm. other i didn't add this anecdote but friends mm-hmm. close to him were like he literally it's like his thing that he eats an apple before bed every night mm-hmm. um so maybe it was just something that he did as part of his nightly routine and was just like you know yeah. I'm, I'm done you know i'm done mm-hmm, i'm just gonna mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. die my sleep and yeah. <laughs> I don't know recreate Snow White I don't know how right. true that part is right right but they did find him lying next to an apple like it as if it gotcha. had like just fallen out of his hand reach when he yeah. was laying on the ground so yeah yeah mm. it's unclear it, it's like 50 50 what people think may have happened got it yeah so yeah truly tragic ending but I think the I think the part of this that is really hard is the chemical castration. Like, yeah, he may have Mm. died by cyanide, but there was a reason that led him to that point. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the chemical castration was done by way of getting this drug called stilboestrol at the time was Mm. what it was called. Or it's now known as diethyl or DES. Mm -hmm. It is basically Mm -hmm. estrogen injections and the thought behind that being men who like men have too much testosterone and that's why they have this quote-unquote unnatural tendency towards the same sex mm. testosterone to them increased sexual drive and urge so by giving estrogen a female hormone it might decrease that urge or even better mm. eliminate it mm. so he was really like subjected to multiple injections i don't know for how long uh, i think few months maybe i'm not sure and that like i said led him to be impotent
0: wait but the- whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. i'm sorry i'm pros- okay so so i'm sorry to keep interrupting so no, the, full, the the theory is okay men who like men at the time mm-hmm. um they had an imbalance in their testosterone and they i'm just trying to repeat back and yeah. they they theorize, oh, they must have more estrogen in their body, um, versus testosterone. So therefore, we will place more estrogen in their body Mm-mm. to Mm-mm. remedy. Okay, am I getting that wrong? Sorry. No, no, I other way around. Must have so okay. Let me actually like
1: go back okay. if that was confusing. So okay. yeah, yeah. So the thought is men who like other men have too much testosterone. Mm, and that's okay. why they have this quote unquote unnatural tendency towards the same sex, because what What they believe, which is true, like Mm. just as a baseline fact, is that testosterone Mm. leads to having a sexual drive and urge. So they felt like, because they they have so much testosterone, that causes them to have more of a sexual drive and more of a sexual urge to want to have sex with other men or like other men, whatever they thought it was. So by giving estrogen, which is a female hormone, they thought it might decrease that urge and decrease that testosterone and even Mm -hmm. better eliminate it altogether. Yeah. So they were. So does that make they sense? Were,
0: yeah, I understand yeah. that. Yeah, I, that that makes sense. They were basically using like real, uh, like biological fact in terms of how high testosterone levels can right. cause your libido to increase or what have you. But then they were using it as a half truth to correct villainize and and harm gay correct. people. Correct.
1: Okay. They basically were using it as like a counter hormone. I am Very confident. black and white thinking, to be honest, didn't really work. It just gave these poor men like more unwanted side effects and these side effects could be very dehumanizing especially for a man because it would cause almost menopausal like symptoms or side Mm. effects like hot flashes and it also gave them something called gynecomastia which is enlargements of the breasts in a male Mm. which did happen to alan turing and in addition to this it had this other unwanted effect of being a depressant so Mm. these men would become depressed you know being Mm. on so much estrogen yeah, but Turing refused to let these serious inve- injections keep him from his work. He kept up that lively spirit to the end, like I was saying earlier, and he just dealt with the situation with as much humor as possible. But to Turing's close friends, it was obvious that this whole situation was traumatic for him, but in no way did he ever just surrender to what was happening, just decline in himself. He fought back yeah. in his own way by continuing his work as if nothing happened. Mm. Part of the reason he was barred from doing governmental work was that they believed gay people were more susceptible to playing both sides and being you know, a double agent of some sort or hmm. crossing their betraying their country more easily and therefore hmm. were considered a security risk, especially with the Cold War coming in the midst of everything.
0: Mm.
1: so they took away his security clearance obviously it all came out at the time that he was gay so Mm. they took away his security clearance and everything like that so that's why he was not able to work anymore after that Mm. from the people that knew him well I think that was the hardest part for him the fact that he got his security clearance taken away that the British intelligence service just kind of dropped him after everything Mm. that happened because it was hard for him to accept that he couldn't be trusted, especially after everything he did for the, his country. Like, how right. could I betray you guys? Like, I literally almost helped save, you know, end this war yeah. for you yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was a big reason that led him to a suicide on top of everything mm. else that happened. Mm. But, you know, going back to the chemical castration, I don't want to say he wasn't given a choice, but I don't feel like he was really given a choice. Like, go to prison or, you know, be chemically castrated for mm. being who you are this was happening all across the the world honestly like i would say right. mostly in western countries but definitely all over the world for sure and for a oh, while yeah. i didn't get like a good description of how long this was going on but definitely longer than it should have mm-hmm. it's just it's just horrible to think about honestly but it was also used for sex offenders at the time mm. so they were mainly using that to decrease that libido decrease that urge cuz they thought maybe that would help along with like mm-hmm. psych medications as well Mm -hmm. But ever since then, it has fallen out of favor because for obvious reasons, besides Mm -hmm. the side effects and things like that. But chemical castration is still used medically today for the treatment of hormone-dependent cancer, specifically prostate cancer for men. So they, mm. they don't use estrogen. That's like, mm-hmm. that was wrong science. They use mm. a drug called Lupron, which is basically an anti drug that lowers testosterone. And mm. that is the cause of prostate cancer. You have too much testosterone. It's just kind of going haywire, like most cancer is. And mm. it causes this enlarged prostate. So if you're able to use this anti which is basically, you can think of it as like anti Testosterone, that could really help. Mm-hmm. It does cause similar side effects of like the gynecomastia and things like that because you're basically lowering that testosterone. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's better than having cancer and it doesn't last right. forever.
0: It is reversible. Right. Yeah.
1: And it is still considered today the first line treatment for
0: prostate cancer. Interesting. Question about, mm. so in Turing's case, when he is expected to do these injections, for you know his his punishment yeah is it something that like he would have to required by law to like go to a medical facility and i don't know if you looked into like the law Mm -hmm. of the time but like if he were to Mm -hmm. like not show up for that injection would that then lead him to just be put in jail or Mm, you know what i mean like oh you didn't you didn't make your appointment and this was your agreement or like um not agreement sentencing they're your sentencing yeah okay
1: yeah, I mean I don't so I'm thinking of two things. I was under the impression that it these injections would take place in a medical office or a doctor's mm. office of some of some sort. But now mm. that I'm vaguely recalling back to the movie, obviously mm. movies could be not real right, truths, right. but right. I do recall from the movie that he would inject it at home, but mm. I kind of feel like knowing the drug that's that's usually not something that you would inject at home on your own, but I don't know. That right. things could have changed since then. But as to like your second part of the question, I have no idea, but I, Mm. I, if I had to take an educated guess, 100%, they would be on your ass and be like, you're you're going to jail. Yeah. You know? That's why I just feel like,
0: that's why I feel like it would just, would make more sense that people who were sentenced with this option as opposed to going to jail, I imagine they probably went to a medical facility because like, at the end of the day, like who's, who would hold you accountable if you weren't (laughs) injecting at home? You know what I mean? Like, Exactly. So Agreed. yeah, I mean so the I think spot. it was in person. The whole thing. Yeah, it's but, all it's okay. all. I was just curious of, of the process. Okay. Yeah,
1: I agree. I think it was in person. But I, what I will say is I think this is a, a great example of a drug that was used for something so horrible in the past that has found a new and truly beneficial use in present day. Mm. From the 1950s, the use of hormonal therapy has grown for better uses. Now hormonal therapy is used in empowering ways, most notably for women for birth control with mm. estrogen and progesterone, managing breast cancer with anti-estrogen medications, easing the symptoms of menopause with estrogen-like products, and mm. to treat prostate cancer, as I said earlier, with anti-androgen therapy. So there's definitely a better use for that, but my gosh, like that was mm. not the way to start it out yeah. whatsoever. And it's really, yeah, I, I'm sure it has traumatized yeah. many many people's lives and is just horrible yeah. that I had to get to that point. Yeah. But... You know, that was, all. I feel like that was a very, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of s- sad series of events mm-hmm. and facts, but I want to mm-hmm. end on some fun facts about Turing, just like some, a good note about him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So because of his secretive nature of Turing's work, no one really knew about Bletchley Park and his role to play in Cracking Enigma at all until the mm-hmm. 70s. And wow. the full story wasn't revealed about him and what was done to him also with the negative effects on him until mm-hmm. the 90s. So this is a fairly new information coming to light for all of us as like Mm. a world. (laughs) So I just wanted to end on some light notes about him. And this was just a fun fact that I read. But he was an Olympic level runner. He Mm. was known to always run from place to place wherever he needed to be. Sort of reminded me of my dad. And Mm -hmm. he would run 10 miles between the two places where he did most of his work, which was the National Physical Laboratory and Mm. the Electronics Building on Dollis Hill at Cambridge. And when he would run from place to place, he would often beat his colleagues who would take the public transport to the office, which I thought was hilarious. That's so funny. And his best marathon time was two hours and 46 minutes, which was only 11 minutes slower than the Olympic winning time that year. I'm like,
0: Damn, marathon dude. as in like the full? Yeah. What like? 25? 26. No, marathon. 26. 26
1: miles and two hours in two hours and 46 minutes. What the
0: i mean i know okay like i recognize people who do marathons you're probably like yeah that's like the numbers but and i'm like still fucking impressive dude <laughs> like, i have like, no gauge at all if that is I, fast or not but have, obviously it's fast yeah, but i have no idea <laughs> i have no idea but that is absurd it's absurd like, to me honestly
1: it takes me <laughs> an absurd amount of time for me to just get to point a to point b on a regular yeah. day like i ain't nobody gonna get my ass to two hours 46 minutes yeah. anywhere yeah. that's really impressive and he wasn't like an olympic runner or athlete or anything like that this was right. just like him be- like someone asked him in an interview way mm-hmm. back when was like oh why do you run like why do you run so much and why do you run everywhere <laughs> that you go and he was just like my work is so stressful
0: that mm. running
1: helps me clear my minds and clear my head yeah. and so i just like doing it i'm like that's yeah. awesome." I-
0: that's so. I, I was almost, I mean, I was postulating in my head. I was like, maybe he runs because that's his time to mm. like really reflect on the work, like on yeah. the decryption process. Yeah. But it's an even more beautiful thing if that was his one time where he didn't have to focus on anything. So, yeah. Absolutely. That, that's nice. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Either way, I'm sure it was a little bit of both, but hey, it mm-hmm. worked. He literally cracked the freaking code. So, Jeez. and created the first computer. So, worth something. Yeah. Maybe I should start running. <laughs> so, final final fun note and really great mm-hmm. note is 60 years later after turing's untimely death queen elizabeth mm-hmm. ii officially pardoned him mm-hmm. and last wednesday june 23rd 2021 sarah mm-hmm. john who is a chief cashier of the bank of england had initiated and has distributed the new 50-pound banknote, which will display Alan Turing on its face. He'll be the first gay man on a British banknote, and the distribution will come during Pride Month and what would have been his 109th birthday. Oh, wow. Yes. The 50-pound banknote is a small token to celebrate Turing's many contributions to society and his life as a whole, for which we should all be very, very proud. So that is the story of... Mr. Alan Turing,
0: Doctor Alan wow, Turing, Doctor Alan Turing. Yeah, uh, I like I had said earlier, I did not watch the movie, mm. so I actually don't know anything about him besides like okay. his involvement with the, with like, being someone who does cryptology, but right. like it's mathematics. I mean, yeah, cryptology yeah, is math someone who is involved in that and his involvement in the war. But that was it. I had baby knowledge, baby knowledge. I didn't know that. Him. I thought you knew everything yeah. about it. When we were texting. No, I don't know anything about it. No. Oh, okay. I, what okay, I know good, good, good. when we were texting, what I mm. knew about it is that it's a relatively well-known story as yes. a whole. But I am one yes. of the population that did not uh, subscribe <laughs> right. while the movie dropped, and I just uh, just didn't tune in. So yeah, thank you for sharing. Absolutely, yeah, that's so fascinating. And tell me, like, um, just. For the tox, tox part, tell me mm. again the name of the yeah. chemical that they used back then for yes. the injections. It is called, so at the time it was called stilboestrol.
1: stilboestrol. And then yeah. nowadays it's called diethyl stil, stilbestrol or DES. So yeah. it's actually commonly known as DES therapy or DES mm. chemical castration used yeah. on gay men at the time I'm sure also anyone else in the LGBTQ plus community at the time. And then sex offenders. Yeah. Which is like, even just that association is Mm -hmm. horrible, horrible because yeah, there's a connotation there for sure.
0: Absolutely. Um, Actually, when you brought that up earlier, I was going to say there's a fantastic, uh, again, one of my favorite podcasts I love Mm. to listen to is called You're Wrong About but there's a fantastic episode where the topic is actually uh, pedophilia and I'm not Mm. saying that they talk about chemical castration but they talk about the lumping of sex offenders and gay men in the misconceptions around pedophilia so go check that episode out it's called You're Wrong About and I'm pretty sure the title of this particular episode is You're Wrong About Pedophilia Mm. or something like that but it's very very fascinating but yes when you said that I was like yeah the fact that they're using chemical castration back in the day for for both pedophiles, uh, not pedophiles, sex offenders, and gay men, those are absolutely going to be intertwined in a way yep. that is villainizing and horrendous towards the gay community. So totally, yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And just like when I was doing my research
1: because I really wanted to do a story for Pride Month and just mm-hmm. highlighting somebody or a group of people, whatever it might be. And there's so many typical true crime stories out there for the LGBTQ plus community, which I definitely recommend people go check out and read themselves.
0: The one thing remember. that I that I really did not know about the story because I clearly didn't know anything about him mm. um, was the actual cause of death, day of death, oh, yeah. um, and how like cyanide was involved in that. For me, who knew nothing about his life and his passing, was like, oh, there is like a poison element. Like clearly, there's a poison element to the chemical castration, but there was like yeah. an actual poison element Correct. involved in his passing. So that was like really fascinating. To-
1: yeah, I didn't know that either yeah. before yeah. before starting this research. So I thought yeah. that was interesting as well. Yeah. And, like, what a way to go. That's not, like, a pleasant way to die either. So,
0: no. yeah, that no. kind of sucked. But, yeah, that's yeah. it. That's the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. Thank you for sharing. Mm. Yeah. These Absolutely. stories are important. It's important, so important to learn from, obviously. Man, we got some work. We got some work got some to work. do.
1: And no one knew, really knew about this until the 90s. Like, this guy was right. doing this work in the 1940s, man. Like, yeah. Uh, it's just, like... it. I'm glad it's coming out to light. I'm glad that they made a movie about it. And like, we're talking about it on this podcast and all of these things, but it's like, it, it goes back to like the things we've talked about before on this podcast. Right. It's like, how much stuff do we just not freaking know about, you know? Cause right. they don't want us to know about it.
0: Yeah. But, or it's like, um, yes, it's ultimately, they don't want us to know about it, but it's like, they don't want us to know the history of abuse. Right. right. It's like, it's a gross thing of like this weird, shame is some part right like the the people in power ultimately who perpetuated this it's like a a shame it's shame for them recognizing oh we're progressing as a globe you know Mm, to mm -hmm. be welcoming and loving towards (laughs) those that we have ostracized you know very, very interesting. Thank you for sharing the story. Shall we go into anecdotes? We, antidotes. we sure I always will. Want to say antidotes. 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 Antidote. 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 My my antidote is an anecdote. Just <laughs> I mean, not today. it is. I'm sure. I'm sure. Sometimes Usually. it is. Yeah. Yeah. So my antidote today is I have been on a horrible. Binge (laughs) of of buying out of like like food wise buying out a lot, and so my Mm. antidote is that I finally just adulted up <laughs> and no I'm just kidding. If you buy out if yeah. you buy out your dinners and that's your, your mode of operation, I no shame. I, I'm yeah. not saying you're not an adult. But I'm saying like I just had not bought oh, groceries in <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I had <laughs> not bought groceries in a minute lately. Really? Like, for someone for me who loves to cook. Yeah. I just I just get into this flow of like
1: no.
0: uh buying out buying out and it just starts ramping yeah, up and it, it starts running away. Yeah. And so my antidote is that I finally bought groceries and it it was like, I was like, okay, I'm back on track of just having a balanced budget (laughs) when it comes to buying food. So that's that. Yeah. It's kind of like a nice little reset, reset. Yes, exactly.
1: Mm -hmm. I know that, that abyss all too well. Mm, Uh, mm -hmm. oh my god especially when i was living (laughs) in san francisco it is so easy to just door dash from like shit down the street that is so delicioso like it's hard it's hard (laughs) (laughs) Uh, more than i'd like to admit but anyways my antidote for this week was a past and not a past angel but it like happened in the past i had a really great friend from pharmacy school come to San Diego to visit Mm -hmm. and then megan came out it was like a blend of my two worlds uh Mm. medina i'm gonna give you a shout out we are Mm -hmm. like sister soulmates and megan is also my sister soulmate so it was like very (laughs) like i was genuinely like my heart was full that they met each other because that was something i wanted them i wanted them to meet specifically because i think they yeah they would have gone along well and they did so i was super happy We just had a really great time. It was just like did. a lovely, lovely day. Us uh, hanging out pretty much all day,
0: <laughs> even though we that was not the plan. Hang out all day. We just oh like, my God,
1: we just like went from place to place. And we're like, should we just keep hanging out?
0: <laughs> yeah, we. Then totally we did. did. It was yeah, fun. I, it was a really good. time. I mean, I'll I'll jump a little on your antidote. Yes, yeah. it was absolutely a hundred percent like the, so wonderful hanging out with Medina and Scott. Scott is her boyfriend. Yeah, and I was actually talking to Drew about this because I yeah. told him about our our day and our weekend. Yeah. And, he and i both were just like medina and scott this is for you if you're listening i was like yeah these are good people like oh, you ever meet good. some you ever yeah. meet people and you're like you're good people yeah as in like <laughs> just good energy mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i'm I, you know,
1: like, I only trustworthy. know i only met, like you just feel right. I safe I only, with them I met
0: them for a day so I'm like yeah. i mean good bad you know whatever like that's yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. we could be objective but like mm-hmm. in terms of just like you know when you're hanging out with someone who's just chill yeah i don't know like someone who doesn't like seek to cause problems or whatever like when you when you meet this stranger for the first time and it's like easy talking correct it's no nonsense literally so easy with them and Mm -hmm. i felt like we had been friends before you know yeah i I love that feeling of meeting someone and you're just like we communicate well yeah we're just comfy it's just comfy you know like i love it i love it like
1: and on the opposite hand there's some people you meet and you're like you are the spawn of
0: satan <laughs> and that's when you
1: end the relationship there's yeah. A
0: yeah i mean i wouldn't go to that extreme it's that feeling of like you I get would. that that feeling of like of like you are someone who probably down the line if i choose to hang out with you Often enough, I will mm. learn about you mm-hmm. that you seek to cause drama, and I, that's just yeah. that's just like a characteristic that I I handle yeah, we it well. So. I handle it well, but like at the end of the day, I'm just like <laughs> it doesn't need to be done. No, but Medina and Scott, lovely, lovely, lovely people, and I'm so glad yeah. I met them. I had a blast, love it,
1: yeah, yeah, good time, and it was like one of for me at least one of the first times I went out after COVID, where like things were mm-hmm. relatively normal at Mm -hmm. least here in California. And it was just, it was just nice. It was just nice to like feel that kind of normalcy again. And with people I really, really like love and care about. So it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's my antidote.
0: Yay. Well, that's it poison pals. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please. I was going to say, don't forget, but you know what? If you do, if you choose to, if you don't, if, (laughs) if you actually don't forget, but still do not do this, it is okay we love you poison pals but don't forget to listen rate review mm, write mm-hmm. comments give us the feedback yeah. send us an email you can always reach us at that shit is poison at gmail.com yep. or DM us on instagram that is shit yep. is poison we do have a twitter which i need a freaking look at <laughs> <laughs> that twitter is getting some cobwebs i'm sorry harini i will do yeah. better yeah. <laughs> What else do we have? What else? We got TikToks. Yeah. We got yeah. TikTok. I mean, Go on. that's like Harini's baby. You're doing such a yeah, good job with so that, good. by the way. Thank you. <laughs> it's it's coming along. I'm trying to force Megan to do a TikTok. So I guys, know I need to tell her to do, do one. one. <laughs> I will. I will. I, I just she gotta, like, will. plan out what I want to talk about. Yeah. She will. All right. Harini. Mm. Mad Hatter. Yes. Ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Close it out. Close it out.
1: Okay. Don't risk
0: it for that three rotor biscuit dang straight because right. that's going to hurt your teeth when you bite into it <laughs> <laughs> alright All boys right. and pals it's late Peace. bye <laughs> bye